Welcome to the Food, Family and Friends podcast, proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com. Now it's time to join your host, Vanessa Baxter. So I'm sitting here in a cafe in Newmarket with Julian. Your surname, Julian? Julian Rain. Julian Rain from Nelson. From Nelson. Nelson. And he is up here in Auckland for the weekend. And thank goodness we brought... You must have brought a little bit of Nelson sunshine, I think, yes, Julian. Yes, it's beautiful up here today. Yes, it is. I'm sure it must be thanks to you because it wasn't so great yesterday up here. Oh, it was, <laughs> it was, it was great in Auckland yesterday too. Um, and you are here because you are introducing a new product into the market. Yes. Uh, and it's going to be originally just exclusive to Faro, is that correct? That's correct. So we have a new milk product that we're bringing up here. Uh, the name of it is Aunt Jean, Aunt Jean Dairy. So we are introducing that to the Auckland market. It's exclusive to Faro uh, through to March next year. And then we hope to broaden it out from there. So how is this milk different to the milk that we charge into the supermarket all the way down the aisles, usually to the very back, uh, to those big chillers and purchase on a daily basis? Uh, so my milk is different, uh, clearly because it's mine, um, but it comes from my cows on my farm in Nelson. Um, we've been on that piece of land for 170 years. We've been milking cows uh, on that farm for 80 years. Uh, we have a long history in dairy farming. We understand what makes good milk, and we believe we make fantastic milk. Then there's a number of things that we do that uh, ensure that it is different from supermarket milk. Okay, can you share some of those things? Like, What is it that's going to entice us to buy your milk? I mean, so for me, I avoid budget milk. Um, I tend to go for full fat milk. Uh, and if I'm feeling like, because my, I've got two teenage boys who I can't tell you how much milk they drink. I mean, it is insane how much milk they drink, but I figure it could be worse as teenagers, so I'm happy about that. Um, but because of the amount they drink, I struggle with the price point, obviously. So occasionally as a treat, I'll buy, you know, a really yummy, gorgeous looking bottle of milk for them. Uh, and they get so excited. So what is it that, Aunt Jean is bringing you know, into the market that is going to be different from what's already there as choices for us? Um, so in my view, there's three things that we bring. Firstly, it's packaged in glass. Um, glass is uh, it's, it's a great product because it can be recycled. Um, here in uh, New Zealand, um, we recycle about 70%. So any bottle that you see in, on the shop uh, shelf has about 70% recycled glass in it. Um, that is that is fantastic. Um, plastic is a lot lower than that, um, so it's truly a recyclable product. It tastes better in glass. It keeps colder in glass. Um, premium products are always in glass. So I've teamed up with OI Glass here in New Zealand, and they are supporting me uh, with this project. Um, the second thing is uh, that our milk is from cows that have been proven to be only carrying the A2 protein. So all of our cows have been tested um, and we've identified uh, and only take milk uh, for this product from A2 uh, cows and so carrying the A2 protein. Uh, that... Um, According to uh, literature that I have read, makes the milk 
and anecdotally, um, our customers tell us that that makes the milk a lot more tummy friendly. So people who think they are um, lactose intolerant or dairy intolerant find that they can drink my milk. So, so we also do not mess with the milk much. So it hasn't been standardised. Uh, it hasn't been homogenised. So our, our milk, the cream, still naturally floats to the top. And our whole milk, um, which is just how it comes out of the cow, uh, it is just pasteurised and that's it. Bottled, that's it. So, okay, there's quite a few things there I've thought of questions to ask you. I haven't got to the end of it yet, so... Okay, I'll let you go. (laughs) So the other thing is that um, our business is a vertically integrated business. You can talk to me, the farmer. Um, I can tell you what the cows had for um, for their meal last night, which was grass, and I can tell you what they had this morning, which was grass. Uh, we don't feed palm kernel. We don't um, add back in permeate or anything like that. Um, our cows are well loved. They're happy cows. Um, you're getting it um, direct from the farm. It's fully traceable. Um, yeah, it is, it is fantastic as far as that goes. Yeah, I love the idea that it's farm to glass, that we can kind of follow the whole chain of where the milk comes from, because I know there is a lot of concern, especially in New Zealand. You know, we're obviously dairy mad, massive dairy industry, and we need our dairy um, for our economy, but I know there are concerns if you can't kind of understand what's happening behind, you know, the closed doors of a big factory type or big corporate operation. And it's so nice to talk to you, um, and I'm sure the listeners will be so intrigued as I am, you know. Um, there are so many questions, but just a really simple one to start with what does it mean to have your milk not homogenized what does that mean just like in really simple layman's terms for listeners um, who by the way you know are worldwide for this podcast so what does it mean to be selling milk that is not homogenized and um, just yeah can you give us a little bit of a rundown so when you homogenize milk, you, you put the milk stream through a very small hole and it smashes the fat particles up so it evenly dis- disperses through the milk. When it's, when it's not homogenized, the cream floats to the top naturally. Um, cream is actually l- uh, lighter than the milk. Um, so it is, which which doesn't defies the, the, thought. defies defies thought exactly. Uh, that you you'd think it was heavier. It's not. It's actually lighter, so it floats to the top. So people who want to keep it um, evenly dis- dispersed through the milk it, with our milk, just um, shake the bottle a few times, and that will stop the cream from floating to the top, and we'll keep it dispersed. The other thing that we've found is that milk that has been homogenised, it is a lot more difficult for the body to um, get rid of that cream or, or handle that cream in your body, um, whereas if you don't want to drink the cream, you can then remove it by just skimming it off the top of the bottle and putting it on the scones for those who want it or however you want to handle it. So you can actually have a lower fat milk naturally by allowing the cream to float to the top and skimming it off. 
So you have completely taken me back to my childhood and I'm showing my age now. But I totally remember at the front door. So I grew up in Australia. I totally remember at the front door going out in the mornings and collecting the bottles of milk for mum, bringing them in, the cream sitting at the top. And um, I, I can't remember whether I liked it as a child or not. I just know that it was there. Uh, and mum used to do that, skim it, um, you know, sometimes and use the cream for other things. So what... I even remember at school, crates of milk coming in the little bottles to school. They were little glass bottles and they had like a little silver foil on the top and we'd take the silver foil off and chuck a straw in there and we all had to drink it. Like it was a government initiative that we all had to drink it because, you know, make sure kids get their dairy intake. Um, so what happened... From us getting our milk like that, what suddenly dawned on someone that they needed to homogenise it for us? Do you know what happened? Um, it happened slightly before my time as well, because uh, I was one of those kids too. Um, it was to improve uh, people's health, and people's health over time did get better, so the, the system was actually stopped. Um, we we decided we wanted the fat evenly distributed through the milk and by homogenising it, which is exactly what the name um, intends, it actually homogenises the milk and makes it all the same. So milk will stratify if you leave it in the, in the bottle and the heavier bits go to the bottom and the cream lighter bits float to the top. So it just, it happens. Mm. Okay, so just at some point someone just decided, as in, you know, all of us have just decided it looks nicer, feels nicer, so, and then plastic became part of our lives, so suddenly it goes into plastic bottles, and then we've had the new take, which is, now it's not in clear plastic bottles, it's in non-see-through plastic bottles. Is your glass see-through? <laughs> uh, my, my glass is definitely see-through. <laughs> um, it is acknowledged that sunlight does affect um, the milk quality, but if you keep it cold... That is the best thing to do. The worst thing you can do is just leave it out on the bench. Um, that's just awful for milk. Milk will keep a long time if you look after the cool chain properly. Yeah, so with this cold chain, right, so it's coming from your cows into the bottles in your cold chiller, no doubt, and then there's a truck that's a chilled truck that's taking it up here to Auckland somehow uh, and then it's going usually straight into the back of a supermarket and my understanding is, and am I correct, because my mum taught me when I was little that the reason milk is at the back of a store is to force you to buy all the other stuff, you know you've got to get down all those aisles, but I would imagine that there's some practicality in that as well and that the cold chain needs to be maintained so the chillers are coming to the back of a store usually and then straight into a cold chill at the back and then straight into the cold chill that you're purchasing from which would probably be close would that is there a bit of both happening do you think in a supermarket i think probably all of the above <laughs> <laughs> it is uh no it's really important to keep milk cool we we uh we pasteurize our milk so that's the only um processing that we do for our whole milk so our milk is uh kept at five degrees so it comes out of the out of the cow um, it is chilled straight away to 5 degrees we keep it at 5 degrees we pasteurise it 
um, at 73 degrees, which is required by law. Um, we, we do uh, flash pasteurising, which means it's passed through um, a set of tubes, which is heated by hot water to 73 degrees for 15 seconds, and then we drop the temperature immediately again uh, to 5 degrees. We bottle from that point. It is then taken by chiller truck um, up to Auckland and then distributed around the stores in Auckland. And are you hoping that this is going to go nationwide for you? Have you got enough cows and enough opportunity from your farm to our glass to be able to cope with the whole nation? I'm not sure about the whole nation, but we'll certainly uh, do our best. (laughs) (laughs) How many cows do you have? So on our home farm, which we've we've owned since uh, 1844, um, we have 200 cows there. So it's not a lot, lot of cows, but each cow gives 20 to 30 litres. So that's um, that's that's a wee bit of milk uh, each day. Um, we do have another another farm further south, about 50 kilometres away, which we've owned since the 1990s, and we milk uh, a lot more cows there. Wow! Do you have kids out of interest? We do. Uh, we have um, two girls and a, and, a, and a boy. Do they love milk? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Out of interest, do you, um, like as a family, I know you're just producing milk commercially now, well, you know, semi-commercially, uh, but do you as a family use the milk to create other dairy things, you know, homemade ice creams, yogurts and things at home? Um, we supply other people who do that for us. They actually do it on a commercial basis. Uh, so locally we supply Roma Gelato. So they make um, gelato ice cream. Um, or no, I shouldn't use uh, ice cream and gelato in the same sentence because they are different products. But yep. um, people know what I'm saying. Um, the other one is um, Vio Vio. Uh, some people might know uh, that cheese brand by Milk Drop. So Milk Drop um, is owned by also some Italians uh, and they're creating um, a new brand called Vio Vio uh, and that will be available nationwide in 2017. Wow. Yeah, that's cool. And are you a dairy lover? I mean, in, in, not obviously, you have to say yes, but I mean, would you, do you love those other products like yogurts and ice creams and things as well? Uh, yes, I absolutely do. I'm, I'm only involved in things that I love. Yeah, I'm exactly the same. I mean, I'm absolutely passionate about food, hence why I've made it my business. And it's funny because, and I guess actually before I make a comment about this, do you have any fear about the latest kind of trend of people being so fearful of dairy uh, and anti, you know, the yogurt is really just like ice cream and full of sugar and people shouldn't eat ice cream and everyone should be eating real food and not packaged food and dairy comes under that kind of, you know, panicked trend. Uh, Does that worry you for the future of, of your business and dairy in general? Um, I think if you choose uh, what brand and what product you're taking, uh, no problem at all. Um, just be mindful of who's made it um, and what ingredients in it. It's great for you. Yeah, I see. I feel exactly the same. And I totally grew up on dairy and totally loved dairy. And I went through some poor food choices as a teenager and, and did, which I've mentioned before on my podcast, you know, suffer from anorexia. And I honestly swear that it was the dairy that kept me alive because I did revert to dairy when I went into like needing food mode. Um, it wasn't healthy, healthy way, but it was the dairy. And I honestly look back and say, thank goodness for ice creams and yogurts and things like that. Because 
because that is actually what kept my body going and, and in the end sort of saved, you know, saved that cycle that I was in. Uh, with regards to the glass that you're using, is that a Kiwi glass company? That's, you know, is that a... Or a so, so Owens, Illinois, um, is... Uh, is an international corporate. Um, it is. Uh, it's a. The glass business is a large business uh, internationally. Um, we. They have um, manufacturing here in Auckland. They produce. I can't remember the number. It's like millions of bottles wow. a, a day. Yep. Um, they are the main supplier to the beer and wine industry, and many of the things that you see on the shelf, drink bottles, etc., you yep. see on the shelf are made by them. Right. Yeah. Cool. So. Yeah. It's. Uh, they are. Um, yeah. They know it's what an international. <laughs> they absolutely know what they're doing, and so that's why I know there's um, close to seventy percent of all glass um, bottles here in New Zealand have uh, recycled glass in them. Yeah, that's fantastic. And when we first met here this morning having our cup of coffee, you said you're a man who wears many hats. (laughs) (laughs) So share with us what else you do, because you've just been very clear that you only do what you're passionate about. So where uh, where have your passions taken you alongside what you're doing with the milk? So I'm I'm also an orchardist. Um, so we own over 200 hectares of orchards in Nelson, growing gold kiwi fruit, um, a lot of different apple varieties, um, and also boysenberries. I sell about two thirds of New Zealand's um, boysenberries offshore, uh, and I'm also president of Horticulture New Zealand. You're a very busy man. Yes. <laughs> So do you travel a lot with all these different things that you need to do? Yes, I do. I, I'm, my wife would say I'm hardly ever home. Um, my staff tell me that things run better without me. So, uh, uh, yeah, I've got some excellent staff uh, and they do a fantastic job making sure things happen while I'm away. So I wish people could see you, but we're going to need to take a photo. So thankfully we have your PR girl sitting here and she can take a photo because you look like a farmer. You're here in your check shirt. You're looking very relaxed. You're not looking like a businessman, but I tell you what, you're sounding like a very astute businessman. (laughs) Uh, I just do what, as I said before, I just do the things I love to do. And it's it's great to be here in Auckland and other cities um, around New Zealand and around the world. Um, People are the same around the world. Mm. They just want uh, good, wholesome things to eat. Um, they want it at a reasonable price, uh, and they want to live, um, you know, well-balanced lives. Um, everyone has a very similar aim in life. Do you see when you travel to other cities uh, or countries around the world that people are very fond of kiwi produce? Uh, yeah, it's very trusted. Um, we we do things in an honest and open way. We have really good food safety standards. Uh, we have good traceability systems. Um, yeah, we are a trusted uh, food source right around the world. Mm. Yeah, that's what I, f- I found as well because I lived overseas before I moved to New Zealand. And, uh, yeah, if you saw kiwi products in Southeast Asia, you grabbed them. It was like, yes, I can trust that. I know the meat's going to be awesome. In fact, we lived on kiwi milk when I lived in Vietnam. Unfortunately, it had to be tetrapacked. But, um, you know, that was better than not being able to trust the source of, of local milk, which, you know, the Asians don't really drink milk. So, you know, for them to produce it is pretty tricky. Interestingly, they are drinking more milk now. Uh, a lot of them are doing it through milk powder. Um, 
and we are a trusted source of milk powder, particularly infant formula. Um, so the the palate is changing. Um, I and it's a bit difficult to explain on podcast. The Western diet is quite narrow compared to the Asian diet. Um, if you said the Western diet is about thirty centimeters long, the Asian diet is about three meters um, long. So it's 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 a lot. It's significantly wider than what we have, and there. Their range of food that they eat is um, significantly wider. Yeah, I, I would agree. I lived there for 16 years in different countries in Southeast Asia, and you're absolutely correct. And, you know, we, I do think that, well, we came from the British background in general in Australia and New Zealand, and, and probably off the back of not having a lot of... Uh, money you know the people who originally came here it was pretty simple so and you know that the british food it's taken them a while to have a fabulous diverse cuisine in england as well mm-hmm. <laughs> certainly when i lived there many years ago it was pretty drab and dire mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, as a president of it's not anymore <laughs> it's fantastic get me to london to try some of those restaurants nowadays uh, as president of the agricultural horticulture new zealand horticulture new New Zealand, uh, are you? What is your role there? Is that to sort of um, assist and ensure that people are being looked after? Farmers, what is your role? Um, well, I suppose I'm just—they uh, wheel me out of the the cupboard when they want me to uh, do something or get grumpy or um, I don't know special event. Um, I don't do the real work. We have some really good people that work for for us or with us. Um, we're a family of 22 different product groups, so that's everything from uh, pip fruit, uh, kiwi fruit, asparagus, um, fresh vegetables, processed vegetables, potatoes, tomatoes. You get the picture. It's um, th- there's a whole range of product groups that um, go to make up the horticultural industry, and we. Uh, I suppose clear the pathway or provide a, a stable foundation for the product groups to actually undertake their R&D, their uh, market access, uh, their promotions. So we, we take care of really four main things. Those four main things are around uh, biosecurity. Uh, so we um, have really uh, good relationships with the MPI, making sure our borders allow uh, trade in but make sure that that trade has been uh, carefully examined to make sure that there is no pests and diseases that could affect um, our industry. Uh, Second thing, uh, we have a natural resources and environmental section. So we um, interface with over 70 different district, regional and um, territorial organisations around New Zealand to ensure that rules that they make um, provide a, a fair and reasonable platform for our growers to produce the, the, their products. Um, so they can't be unreasonable, they've got to be consistent, they've got to protect the environment um, for everyone. Mm-hmm. So that's the second thing. The third thing is really around um, people, uh, uh, attracting people to the industry, um, making sure that uh, horticulture is on people's radar as a as a job um, or a, a career for them, 
Um, we run the Young Grower um, um, schemes, leadership schemes, scholarship schemes um, to get people involved in horticulture, young people in horticulture, all walks of life involved in horticulture. Um, the the fourth thing is uh, it's around compliance and making sure compliance is reasonable. Uh, so that's everything from how we drive our tractors on the road and uh, through to um, uh, chemicals and the use of chemicals, um, registration of those products. Um, I think we sit on something like 43 different committees, um, government and local um, committees. So it's just around the all those things that the average grower just couldn't do. Um, no, not to mention, just, it's so fascinating. Every time I do a podcast, what I learn or am forced to think about because you go and buy a bunch of asparagus you just don't think I mean it's just like you're buying a bunch of asparagus it's got a bit of tape around it so the asparagus hasn't spoiled between farm to truck to where I'm going to buy it uh, and you just that's about as much as you think um, and you just don't realise what the grower has had to go through whether it's organic or not um, as I'm sure if it's organic there's a whole other hurdle to jump through but no one thinks about that they're just racing Racing in, buying what they need and racing out again. That's, that's exactly right. So we've got to inform our people around you know, the Food Act and all the compliance things that they've got to do. Uh, New Zealand GAP, New, um, so GAP stands for Good Agricultural Practice. So we, we assist in all of those sorts of things as well. So it's all just part of the, part of the things that we have to do on a daily basis to, to cope. Um, but it's also part of our image. So I said earlier that um, you know we have good food traceability and uh, good food security. Um, our food is trusted, and it's because it is trusted because we have these systems in place. Yeah, and I think that's becoming much more important, isn't it? And people are becoming much more savvy and more educated. They may not be thinking about it as they grab you know, a bunch of something from the supermarket, but there is certainly a lot more chatter on social media, a lot more media attention, and people's access to that um, and to those conversations, whether it's, it's real, not real, um, someone's opinion. There's definitely a lot more chatter than there would have been when we were, you know, like 20 years ago. Yeah, you sort of read what you read in the newspaper and that was it. Um, so I know that's a good thing. It's a good thing because it does get people thinking and talking and having a conversation around it. So well done to you. Amazing. Straight after this, I am heading to Farrow in Epsom. Right. Little plug for Farrow there. Maybe they could think of sponsoring our podcast later. <laughs> Must talk to Janine. Uh, no, so I'll be heading to Farrow to find your milk. No doubt I'm going to have to head down to that back chiller, pass all the yummy uh, bits and pieces. Uh, where, how is your milk? So is it called Aunt Jean's? It is called Aunt Jean. Yes. How is the bottle secured at the top? Is there a is there a twisty lid or? There's a twisty lid, and then there is a tamper-proof um, label that comes down over the side of the twisty lid. Okay. Is this naughty to ask about a competitor? But Lewis Road Creamery, their milk. <laughs> Oh, here we go. <laughs> it's lucky this is audio only. <laughs> We've got the glasses off rubbing the eyes. <laughs> They're not in glass, are they? No. <laughs> okay. Right, before we end this interview, 
<laughs> I, yeah, would you like to make a comment or uh, shall we move on from that? We're going to move on. All right, great. When you're heading into a store, look for the milk in the glass because there's only one at the moment in New Zealand. One. Being yours, Aunt Jean's. Aunt Jean's. That's yeah, that's it. That's, that's it. the only one in glass. We're number one. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Before we end, I've got some quick fire questions to ask you. Sure. All right. So you just have to say whichever it is that comes into your mind as your favourite. They're very simple. Are you ready? Lamb or beef? Beef. Vegetables or fruit? Oh, jeez. Um, 50-50. It's, they're both fantastic. Yeah, I know. You'd get in trouble, wouldn't you, if you said <laughs> I'm a beef farmer as well, so the, so, <laughs> so the beef's okay. The beef's great, yeah. Yogurt or ice cream? Ice cream, sorry. Pasta or rice? Potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're not easy, are you? Chocolate or vanilla? Vanilla. Hard cheese or soft cheese? Oh, geez, there's another hard one. <laughs> Note the dairy. Uh, no, my, the, the secret to my heart is blue cheese, actually. Oh, me too. Oh, yum. Blue Castello, Gorgonzola. Oh, my gosh, there's so many yum ones. So, so one of the things that we plan to do is to have... Um, a famed cheese in the future as well. So, so you just named two famed cheeses there. We will have one as well that will put New Zealand on the map. Oh, I wonder if it'll list. have a little blue vein through it. <laughs> Maybe. It's, it's on the list, okay. <laughs> Ham versus bacon. Oh, it depends on the occasion. <laughs> You're a hard man to do this with. Spicy or mild? Uh, I like a bit of spice. <laughs> Pizza or burger? Um, pizza. Olive oil or butter? Uh, again, it depends on the situation. Oh, come on, it's got to be butter. You're a dairy farmer. <laughs> there's, uh, there's some times when I like a bit of olive oil. I just, it just, it's not right. But other times, exactly butter. Yeah. Have you been to Italy? I've been many times to Italy. Same here. I've been many times to Italy too, and there is nothing like real olive oil in Italy, is there? So. That's right. You understand where I'm coming from. Absolutely. Do you have a favourite cookbook? Um, Edmunds, I suppose. Oh, Edmunds! What, the reformulated Edmunds or the old Edmunds? Oh, um, reformulated Edmunds. Oh, the reformulated Edmunds. Good plug for Edmunds. <laughs> hey, it's been an absolute pleasure to interview you. Obviously, we only just scratched the surface, but I think for the listeners, do um, how do they find out more information about Aunt Jean's? So we have a website, which is auntjeans.co.nz. Uh, we also have a Facebook, and we're also on Instagram. Fantastic. Are you going to share recipes and ideas or just show people the process and, and your farm? And what's the Facebook going to be? Um, so there's a whole bunch of stuff that uh, we're doing on both our website and our Facebook. Um, there's a whole bunch of recipes where you can find us um, telling our story, who we are, what we do, uh, what our cows look like, a whole, a whole name, a whole bunch of stuff. That sounds absolutely fantastic. So uh, brilliant. People will be able to find further information if they want to. And they've heard a little bit from you this morning as well. Hopefully they felt like they joined us for a coffee. Thank you so much for your time. Actually, before we go, where did Aunt Jean's come from? So um, Aunt Jean's is uh, no one in particular, but it is someone. It's a, it's a name that um, conjures up how things used to be. 
but um, the person that introduced um, uh, my wife and I um, some 35 plus years ago um, was her great aunt Jean and uh, she unfortunately died um, a few months back, but she was 96 when she died. Um, my grandmother was Jean. My mum's first name was actually Jean, although everyone knew her as Jill. Um, on Kath's side, my wife, uh, she also has another aunt, Jean. Um, and our daughter's middle name is Jean, so it really runs through their family. Oh, I'm so glad I asked. That is such a cool story. I can't believe I didn't ask that as the first question, but I'm glad I thought to ask it at the end. So the website's actually auntjeans.co.nz. So very simple. There you go. (laughs) Fantastic. Your daughter's probably quietly chuffed because her name's in the whole business there. Are your kids going to follow in your shoes, Dad? Um, Yes, so my son has been involved in the business. Um, He actually takes over all our value-add part of the business um, in the new year, and my daughter's involved in the marketing world. Fantastic. So I'm sure we'll be seeing a lot more of you and of the kids as they progress and and join you in the business. It's been an absolute pleasure. Can't wait to go and try your milk and buy some for my boys who'll be ecstatic. And, um, yeah, maybe next time you're up in Auckland we can catch up for another coffee or a glass of wine. Thank you so much. That's been great. Thank you and look forward to it. Thank you all for listening to another episode of Food Family and Friends podcast. It's really a pleasure to be able to share such amazing stories and journeys of our guests with you. If you would like some more recipe ideas, some tips, tricks, a little bit of blogging, then make sure you jump on the foodfamilyfriendspodcast.com website where we'll be sharing lots of information with you. Also, you can have a look at what other podcasts are out and about there in our world of podcasts on World podcasts.com if you are in New Zealand you can also take a look at podcasts.co.nz because there are some other fabulous podcasts thank you once again for listening Uh, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on board this wonderful journey food family and friends podcast proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com